boom, boom. My name is Darian. It's a solo show again. <laughs> you thought you were going to get Buddy. You thought you were going to get Monica. It's just me, boys and girls. Sorry to disappoint you, or maybe to uh, surprise you with another solo show. I don't know. Maybe you guys are into this. Either way, it's just me. Uh, sorry, it's probably going to be a, a bit of a short show this week. Buddy, I don't know. Monica, I don't know either. I don't know about either one of them. I think Monica is possibly still unable to travel or whatever her present state of affliction is. She did have the car accident. She seems fine. I talked to her. She seemed like she's all right. I just don't know that she's able to travel to make the hour drive into my house to where where we record this show. Uh, Buddy, I don't know. I assume he's still at work, but uh, he might be eating M&M's at the bus stop. Because he's been known to do that from time to time. Why is he spending so much time at the bus stop? I couldn't tell you, but that's just how he rolls. That's how the guy rolls, okay? I can't I can't explain any more than that. If I did, I'd have to kill you. Uh, other than that, I don't have a whole lot going on. Dude, I ran a half marathon uh, Sunday morning. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, broke 100 degrees. I think it was about 103 when I crossed the finish line. Probably closer to 108 when my wife did. Dude, what? What is? Why would? I. I ugh, you would think there would be like a, a law against doing that, like some kind of a red flag warning or something, like a heat index. You know, stop it, shut the shit down. It's too fucking hot. I mean, I don't know that I would. So once I'm invested in one of these things, I just have to kind of see it through. So. I probably wouldn't have stopped either way, but that was like a lot of senior citizens out there trying to do it, and they probably, they might still be out there, for all I know, laying on the side of the road. I didn't wait around to find out. It was too fucking hot. I had to come home and get in the pool. Excuse me. Anyway, I'm okay. My wife's okay. Uh, I do have some pretty gnarly blisters on my feet. I posted pictures of them on Facebook, and they haven't been taken down. (laughs) They didn't even get the trigger warning label on it, which I thought I could do better than that, but I guess not. I thought they would at least, you know, give me some kind of a warning about putting nasty blood blister pictures on Facebook. But apparently, no problemo for Facebook. Post all the disgusting feet you want. 
All right. Well, I have other uh, stuff to talk about here, kids. I got horror news. I got listener mail. I got a movie or two to get into. We're going to break some shit down here in a second. Uh, why don't we kick things off with a little of the old uh, horror news? How does that sound to you? Does that tickle your, your little funny bone there? Well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tickle your funny bone. Horror news. Yeah. Uh, National Geographic's Shark Fest is returning July 5th. Um, I'm not, I, I mean, how, how much do I as a civilian really need to know about sharks? I've, I've yet to make it all the way through a Sharknado movie. I've seen Jaws, great show. Some of the sequels, better than others. Uh, what else? Uh, 47 Meters Down, not a bad show. The, uh, what was that? The Reef, not bad. Uh, the other one with uh, Blake Lively. What was that? The Coast? The Beach? The Sh- the Shallows, I think it was called. That one was pretty good. There's some good shark movies out there. Santa Jaws. Go fuck yourself. Now you're just being a jerk with the shark stuff. And I would venture to say, my friends, Shark Week, Shark Fest, uh, Shark uh, Con, whatever else we're doing with sharks, at this point, probably more harm than good, right? We're getting more ridiculous shark movies Every year, and I think I, I, I've checked out, man. I'm done with sharks. I'll, wa- I'll go back and watch some of the good ones, like a Jaws, like a 47 Meters Down. I'm not going to, no, I don't need Shark Fest. Um, I don't need to know what the average swimming speed of the, the full-grown great white sharks. I don't care. You want to know why? Because I'm not going to the fucking ocean, and I'm definitely not going to swim with sharks. I have no interest in doing either of those things. So as fascinating as an animal as uh, they might be, uh, I'll, 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 you know, I'll check out Jaws again because that's a good movie. Uh, other than that, that's about as as, de- that's as deep of a dive as I need to do on sharks, real or fictional. Okay, uh, what else we got here? Disappointment Boulevard, which sounds like what this show should be called. <laughs> Disappointment Boulevard is uh, Ari Aster's new movie for A24. Um, it has He has already cast Joaquin Phoenix in one of the uh, main roles. So that's exciting. How do we feel about Ari Aster? That's, that's a kind of a polarizing figure, I feel like. Uh, Hereditary, Midsummer, um, pretty good shows, pretty good horror movies, if you ask me. Uh, a lot of people don't like them. A lot of people aren't into, they hated Hereditary. Didn't care too much for Midsummer. Um, I feel like he's he's r- rapidly turning into a much high, higher brow Rob Zombie type, to where you either love him or you despise him and you wish he was dead. I don't. I probably am the only guy that's in the middle. I enjoyed Hereditary. Uh, I found Midsummer a bit predictable, but um, I'm, act- I'm I'm going to check it out. I'll check out Disappointment Boulevard. Uh, with a title like that, I can't help but not set my standards high. I feel like I'm headed to Disappointment Boulevard. <laughs> I apologize. That was a, a poor attempt at humor. And, uh, well, let's be honest. You haven't come to expect much from me in that department. <laughs> uh, what else we got here? Terrifier has a comic book out now uh, while we wait for Terrifier Part 2. Uh, you can buy it presently at terrifiershop.com. 
for all you comic dorks out there. Uh, I think I'm just going to wait for the second movie. I don't, uh, I don't know. I, I imagine if it's they're probably going to be charging like twenty twenty five bucks for it. And uh, nah, I think I'll just wait. I'm good on that. Uh, too bad Monica's not here because she'd be excited for this. Vinegar Syndrome is releasing Flesh for Frankenstein in real 3D and 4K later this year. Have you guys seen Flesh for Frankenstein? That was the Andy Warhol Frankenstein with Udo Kier. Strange, strange movie, man. Way, uh, I don't want to say too sexy, but very sexy for a Frankenstein movie. A lot of um, forced boners and attempts at uh, getting uh, the two monsters to have sex with each other. Very, very strange. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's, I, other than Monica, I'm sure there's a, like a Andy Warhol horror fan club somewhere. And uh, good luck to you. Uh, that, that's great news for you, whoever you are. So well done there. Uh, also, it looks like the first 10 seconds of Jurassic Park Dominion are up, and you can watch it at uh, Bloody Disgusting right now. Um, I didn't watch it. I probably should have before I brought it up to you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even near caught up on Jurassic Park or what the hell's going on there. Last one I saw was part three. I didn't even get into this Chris Pratt business. I'm going to at some point. I know I will. Um... Right now, I just, I, I'm just, I, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I'm not feeling dinosaurs. I guess <laughs> I'm not. I haven't been in the mood for dinosaurs since I was about seven years old. But I will at some point. I, I feel a dinosaur wave coming on, like a, like a fucking fever or something. Like I got a sore throat and possibly some dinosaurs uh, coming at me. I'll get into it eventually. I know there's some people out there that are very much into the Jurassic Park franchise. There's some good news. Check out the first 10 seconds. I don't know what you're going to glean from 10 seconds of uh, a video, but uh, there you have it. That's all I got in the horror news, you maniacs. You ready for some listener mail? I don't know if I am. I might be. Listener mail. Oh, yeah. We got emails and voicemails and all kinds of fun stuff coming at us here. Let's start it off in Sydney, Australia, shall we? Here comes the main man from the Horror for Dummies crew. It's Team. Subject line, thank you. Hello, ladies and gents, or gents, or just one gent, whoever is there this week. Hello, and how do you do? Well, how do you do, Mr. Davis? So good to hear from you, my friend. Okay, so before we get to the fun stuff, I just want to give you guys a thank you. Last week was a really tough week for me. We had to put down our family dog. Ah, shit. Shit. Tim, I'm sorry. That is a motherfucker, Tim. And I have had a terrible run of dogs having to be put down. Um, We lost one last year. We lost one, uh, I I guess, uh, three years before that. Um, Man. It's a motherfucker, man. That's the that's the goddamn thing about dogs. You love them dearly, uh, and you, you can't ever. You, 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 it's very easy to forget that you're probably going to outlive the dog. It's just a it's just a fact of nature. 
It's just how it's going to go down, dude. And and amidst all of that, uh, you know, yelling at him for shitting in the house and chewing up the Blu-ray remotes and, uh, you know, jumping on your mom when she comes over, it's very easy to forget that there's going to be a time when you're going to have to walk the green mile with that little guy and fucking fuck your life in that moment, right? You know what I'm talking about, Tim. Uh, put down the family dog who's been part of our lives for so many, many years. It was the hardest thing I've ever had to do, and I don't think I've cried as much as I did ever in my life, except when I saw Train to Busan. Listening to your show last week really helped. Oh, well, I'm glad we could help out there, Tim. Don't ask why. Maybe it was Darian's sex appeal. But whatever it was, it really helped me get through it. Hearing Sarah make her return made me realize this whole sh- that this whole show, not only the host, but the fans behind it, have become a massive family. You are correct, Tim. And we got your back, buddy. We all live so far away from each other and most probably will never meet in real life. But I can say for sure that I love each and every one of you guys. From Alan Cha-Cha to Cowboy to Tom Hardy to everyone in between. And hell, even Darian too. Ah, oh, you big lug. You're going to make me blush. <laughs> I love you all. Darian, you have made this little family, and you should be proud. Sorry to get all mushy here, but I just wanted to let you guys know how much this show means to me. On that note, the Candyman easily kills Herbert West. Have a good week, guys. Much love, Tim. Yeah, I figured that's how that was going to go in the Terra Dome there, Tim. And it's true. And, uh, you know, everything that Tim just said, and I realize that... Uh, we long ago have transgressed the the realm of the 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 standard podcast i guess and we've done it together and we've been through some very tough times uh here on the show we've lost some people we've gone to some funerals we've also uh seen some people get married and we've seen some babies being born and that within the 10 years that i've been sitting in this fucking chair in this dank ass room and having the parade of co-hosts that i've had uh we have seen probably more ups and downs than than i don't know like a real family so if that doesn't bond us together i don't know what will and of course we love to talk shit about our favorite horror movies and uh, make fun of each other also so you're absolutely right tim sorry for your loss amigo that is a fucking motherfucker and i would even hazard to guess tim that uh the loss of a pet at times can be even wor- even harder than the loss of a loved one because you have to make the decision regardless uh of of the pets like unless of course you know they get hit by a car or something but having to walk your dog into the vet knowing full well that you're not going to walk out with the dog ever and that is going to be the last hurrah uh for you and your lifelong friend you know it you, you, well, first off, you're not going to walk a family member into a into a hospital to get euthanized. Although I think many of us wish we could at times, um, but that's that's an experience you're not going to have with Nana, you know. Uh, and you're not you're not going to have to make the decision to to put Nana down because I think a lot of us would have put Nana down a long time ago. <laughs> Oh, if only she didn't owe me as much money as she does. <laughs> Tim, we love you. We're with you here, buddy. Um, that's a motherfucker, man, and I am sorry. And uh, you got, hey, you have, you're one of the few inmates out there that have uh, like real time access to me. So by all means, hit me up if you need me. You know how to do it. Uh, let's get back here to Reno, Nevada. Here comes the cowboy. 
Subject line, Nemesis Project and Lesbian Vampires. Evening, Padded Room. Hope everyone is doing well, and someone made it in tonight. If not, I do still enjoy the solo shows or the return of Deacon's Joke Hour. Ha <laughs> ha! Best wishes for Monica. Hope she's doing well after the accident and gets her surgery taken care of soon. Here's hoping for a smooth reco- recovery. Glad to hear Sarah and Troy call back in and glad they're doing well. Really quick for Terra Dome, Candyman all the way. Tony, Tony Todd is a badass. Yeah, that's uh, going pretty much exactly the way that I expected it would. Uh, Tony Todd's a badass. Educate was easy as I love Wes Craven movies. Darian, your deadly friend. You are correct, of course, cowboy. That was a layup. Uh, I'm throwing some softballs because I would like some of our other uh, less, less, um, I don't know, um, less astute listeners to be able to to get some every now and then. This week's is going to be a deep dive. So put on your fucking scuba suit there, cowboy. Uh, I did catch Vampires the remake, the remake. Plenty of tits, haha, and thought it was pretty good. Did enjoy the Darien hot takes last week. Also watched the new Conjuring movie, enjoyed it also. With Dead by Daylight, watched the intro for the new chapter, and it looks awesome. Funny part is, I watched it with my kids, and my youngest now wants to learn how to play. Haha. I also now have a chance to play the newer Resident Evil games, 7 and 8, thanks to my neighbor. Really looking forward to getting them started. Something fun, especially with your mention about drunken pool shenanigans, I did break out my slushy maker and made beer slushies. Turned out pretty good, and I'm figuring which beer works the best. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, cowboy, but I have to be honest with you. Beer slushies sounds disgusting. Am I wrong? I, I'm sure I am, now that I think about it. I, that's something that I would have to try, and I should probably uh, do so before passing ju- judgment. But just the, the, the sound of it. A beer slush. That sounds gross, dude. I don't know. I'm sure they're wonderful. I will, I will uh, take a sip of one. I, I'm not going to promise you that I'm going to drink a whole thing, because it sounds kind of gross, dude. I guess it depends on what kind of beer you use. When you say slushy, though, my mind goes right to, like, cherry and grape and uh, big gulps, 7-Eleven. You know what I'm saying? You you put the beer in there, and now I'm kind of put off by the whole thing. But I will definitely have one with you uh, at some point. Uh, Trying them, of course, uh, good and figuring which beer works the best. Throw trying them, of course. Future slushies will include mead and possibly wine. Now... I'm not a wine drinker, but I can tell you a wine slushy sounds much better than a beer slushy. That's just me. That, I'm just, you know, throwing ideas out here. Well, back to, ho- back to work. Hope everyone has a great week and catch you on the flip, cowboy. Right on, cowboy. Thanks for uh, writing in, big guy. Uh, we got a couple of voicemails here, dudes. Let's see who's up first on the voicemail line. I believe this is going to be, I believe this one to be, uh, uh, I think it's Troy. Let's see. Let's see who it is. I don't know. I'm 99% sure it's Troy. Hey, hey what's up? Hey, Troy's in hey, the house. Hey, how you doing? Good. You guys doing good? Staying out of this damn heat. This heat is a motherfucker, anyway, man. Anyway, I'm for my pick for Terror Dome. Yeah. Because you can, man. Yeah, I figured that. Um, also, for uh, a review of a TV show on Netflix called Black Summer, mm. interesting um, 
zombie zombies, right? Yeah. Thing. It's kind of Walking Dead as it Walking Dead as it started. You know, it keeps keeps you invested in characters. There's not very many characters. A lot of them do die. Shocking. I'm not doing any if anybody's seen that. Pretty good recommend. Right on. Uh, has a lot of crisscross storyline, kind of like Pulp Fiction. Oh, okay. The one character cross between the other character, and they're going in the process of that scene. Right on. To dissect a different scene. Uh, the zombies are like 28 days later, they run and chase you and run okay. through windows and open doors and do all this crazy stuff. Not too bad. I think I have a second season. I just got to the first. Cool. So anyway, hope you stay cool, and uh, talk to you later. Beautiful. Thanks for calling in, Troy. Uh, I don't know, man. I I think I kind of feel like The Walking Dead has kind of ruined zombies for me for a while, especially in the on the post-apocalyptic landscape. Because I mean, it's a bummer, dude. It's a great big fat bummer. The whole show, what are we on? 11 seasons now. Um, I can think of one cool thing that happened. And that was when Rick found the baby after uh, Alexandria. Or no, after they got kicked out of the prison, right? Mind you, I haven't seen an episode of The Walking Dead since uh, the big Negan reveal. But at least, in, at least in Game of Thrones, you knew that somebody was going to get their comeuppance, right? Really, The Walking Dead is just one big death clock. And I kind of feel like Black Summer is going to be the same way. Drab, depressing zombies uh more depressing favorite character gets killed now you're super depressed and fucking why why even bother why even bother man i don't know all right well i'm glad you're digging it troy um i i will i might check that one out um at some point i don't count on it i'm kind of on a ghost kick lately anyway but uh thanks for calling in troy your votes are locked here comes uh, Monica's pod boyfriend, Mr. Tom Hardy. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Padded room. How's my favorite degenerates this week? Well, I'm here. I hope everyone's doing well. I made it. I uh, hope Miss Monica's uh, feeling better. Yeah. Hopefully she's on the mend. I think uh, so. Darian, thanks for uh, coming in and giving us a solo show. Hey. You know, uh, I ain't going nowhere. Fighting through it and uh, getting something for the uh, padded room uh, inmates. Absolutely. I uh, don't have much this week. I wasn't able to catch any uh, flicks, but man, it was good to hear uh, good to hear Sarah checking in and of course. Uh, you know hear everything's going as well as possible with her. You know, uh-huh. and a good blast from the past. Uh, anyway, oh, on the um, Herbert West Candyman, yeah, you know, I the same way I can't find an argument for Doctor Fives. I, I mean, I know I, I love Herbert West, you know Jeffrey Combs, yeah, but I just. I just don't think he's going to be able to do anything with Candyman. I don't think so. Candyman's just uh, far too savage for him. He's going to go right through him. Yeah. So give me Candyman on yeah, that. Uh, on the what are you looking at department, or I'm sorry, the uh, educating department. Come on, Tom Hardy. Um, you got this Darian, one. appreciating these clues, man. You're getting a little bit. See, I was thinking to myself, God. Come on, man. When you were telling the clues, I was like, man, this sounds really familiar. You I got know this, I've Tom this Hardy. Clip. What could it possibly be? You know and this. Throughout that uh, basketball, yeah, boom, deadly friend. You got All it, right. baby. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that flick forever. It's but, ridiculous. Uh, I remember it being all right. It's ridiculous. Anyway, hope all is well. Love you like family. Bye now. Love you too, Tom Hardy. I'm glad you got it, man. I'm glad you did it. 
I'm going to lock you in for the Candyman. This one's looking like a blowout. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, Deadly Friend. That's who I was uh, last week. That is a ridiculous movie. And uh, But I tell you what, I did fall in love with Christy Swanson because she was uh, very adolescent 80s hot, which to, I don't know, what was I, seven or eight when I saw that? Uh, something like that. Um, very attractive. And even once she gets like zombified with the robot, robotics, I thought she was still pretty hot even after that. So good on you. You, you did it. it. It's pretty silly, man. It is pretty, it's a pretty fucking silly movie. Even if you just think about like that um, uh, basketball to the head kill with the Goonies mom there. Come on. <laughs> oh, they can't all be winners, right? They can't. It's impossible. Well, thanks for calling in, Tom Hardy. Uh, we did have Alan Cha-Cha hit me up on Facebook. He was worried that his voicemail wasn't going to go through. And he said, I emailed y'all in case it messes up. Give me Candyman and your deadly friend. Yes, I am. And yes, you are locked in. And that is a complete blowout in the Terra Dome. There you have it, kids. Uh, thank you guys very much. Cowboy, Tim, Tom Hardy, Troy, Alan, anybody else who's listening but chose not to write in. The Padded Room 2011 at Hotmail.com is how you email. And if you want to call... We would love to hear your lovely tenors, uh, and if you would like to sing us a song, you may do so. <laughs> the uh, Mental Health Hotline is area code 775-387-0275. Uh, get us your pterodome votes. Get us your uh, thoughts on immersion therapy. Tell us about your recent um, losses of pets or anything else that might come to mind that you want to talk about. I'm happy to dispense some relationship advice. Uh, I haven't had the best of luck in relationships, but I'll, I'll go ahead and spew it out there for you anyway. I'm not saying you should listen to me. I'm just saying if you want me to, you know, try to figure out why your boyfriend is cheating on you, I could, I could probably, I could, you know, at least throw out some ideas is all I'm saying. All right, enough about that. I got a movie to talk about. Are you guys ready to go to dirty, funky, seedy, disgusting, prostitute ridden, drug infested, uh, flop house laden New York City. Let's do it. Fancy girls and their fancy dresses and their lipstick. <laughs> Laughing and dancing. But you stop them, don't you? I can't stop them. But you do, don't you?
careful little girl. He's a maniac, maniac in the ball. And he's stabbing chicks, and that's not cool at all. It's Maniac from 1980. 6.5 stars on IMDb. Written by C.A. Rosenberg. Directed, of course, by William Lustig. Stars the Joe Spinell, Carolyn Monroe, and Abigail Clayton. What can I tell you about this movie? You've already seen it. I know you have. <clears throat> or you've at least heard of it. Uh, I was, I've seen the remake. Uh, I was going to watch it again for the purposes of this show. I ran out of time, though. So, so But the remake is actually pretty good, too. It goes um, a different direction, and that is okay. And it's still pretty goddamn good, man. Think about that. It, not all remakes are bad. Okay, there. I said it, you sons of bitches. I know what you're thinking. If you make something new. Hey, remakes can be just as good, if not better, than the originals, you sons of bitches. Now, moving right along. This is a movie that but was first off panned by critics when it first came out. It was uh, one of the forebearers to what we now know as torture porn. It was... Uh, sub- People were saying it was going to set the women's movement, the women's rights movement back hundreds of years and that it was uh, entirely misogynistic and all kinds of stuff. Watching it today, it's actually very feminist, if you ask me, but I could be wrong about that. I guess it's all perspective, right? Um, basically, what we have here is a psycho killer in seedy 1980s New York. God damn do I love a movie that takes place in 1980s New York? Because that is like the the cesspool of humanity, right? I mean, I, I was I never went to New York, especially in the 80s or the late 70s or ever, really. Uh, but I like to think that it was as bad as the movies made it out to be. Because boy, oh boy, did it seem like a fucking wasteland. Um 
just, I mean, just looking at like the sets of this movie, which uh, the majority of this movie was shot guerrilla style. No permits, no sound stages, nothing. They just went, shot the scene as fast as they could and got the fuck out of there before anybody knew they were there. Um, Like just looking at the graffiti back then, you know what I mean? This was before tagging and all the scribbly shit in the gang shit and all that that we see today. This is when people actually wrote like words on walls. So you would see like a, I love Karen. (laughs) Uh, Jeff was here. Remember that? You don't see that anymore, do you? Jeff was here. Who the fuck is Jeff? I don't know. But at some point, he was in this uh, subway men's room. And God damn it, Jeff, you did it. You made it. You made it this far, buddy. <laughs> oh, I meant that, that was the days, man. And uh, you know, of course, there was like some nasty racist shit and what they want to do to your wife or whatever, of course. But there was also, uh, you know, I love Karen and Jeff was here too. So I got myself a magic marker. I got to write something on this wall. I don't know. I'm just gonna. Uh, here I sit, broken hearted. Tried to shit, but only farted. <laughs> oh, yuck. Those were the days, man. In the, the New York City flop house. Oh, what a cesspool that was. You know, the only people living there are right out of prison or uh, prostitutes looking to get it, on, re- basically renting the room for an hour or so. But, you know, I would I would love to, to go into one of those and just like... Uh, Hang out for like an hour. I'm not going to spend the night in a, in a New York City flop house. No fucking way. Uh, I'm not definitely not going to use the bed. I would consider banging a prostitute in one, but none uh, that are depicted in this movie or any other movie that has New York City prostitutes, except possibly street walking. Remember that one? That one had some decent looking chicks. All right. Now, I'm getting way ahead of myself here. Back to Maniac. We're in 1980 New York. Yeah, uh, so that's already seedy to begin with. And we're going to start off, oddly enough, on a beach, which I assume to be somewhere uh, possibly on the Jersey Shore. Um, I know there aren't many beaches in New York City, but we're going to start off there. Uh, there's a couple camping out on the beach, and uh, they wake up. Uh, you remember those um, those uh, binocular jammies where you put a quarter in and you look into the, the binoculars and you can see off into the distance? There's a creepo using one of those things, and he's spying on this couple. And we know he's a creepo because he's doing a lot of heavy breathing, and he's grunting a lot. The amount of grunting and breathing in this movie is absurd. But you know nothing good is coming when that's when that's rolling up on the scene. So he's spying on these two kids camped out on the beach, and he's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the uh, the young lady wakes up and she's cold, so she nudges her her suitor and says, "Hey, go get us some more firewood. I'm freezing." So he says, "All right." Uh, he takes off, goes uh, meandering about, finds firewood, and then our creeper uh, approaches the young lady and uh, kills her. Yeah, slits her throat. Uh, we don't get to see the creeper just yet, but then we cut to the young man who's out kicking around on the beach trying to find said firewood, and he, of course, gets his slit throat also. So that's just your opening sequence right there. And then we're going to catch up to our creepo. Uh, His name is Frank Zito, played by Joe Spinell. Joe Spinell fucking nailed it in this movie, man. He uh, he looks like a creepo. He acts like one. He's actually a very good actor. 
Uh, you've seen him in other things. Uh, he makes one appearance or another in all of Bill Lustig's movies. He also showed up in a lot of Sylvester Stallone movies. He always got uh, typecasted as either like a, a scumbag or a lowlife or a, uh, you know, some kind of a creepo type of a dude. You know, somebody that you, you just look at him and go, ah, <laughs> I'm sure he's a nice guy, but... Uh, I don't know. I don't just keep him away from my daughter, I guess. Uh, But I think that was kind of the career that he cultivated, Joe Spinell, because he, he, I mean, he had the pot. He was not an attractive man. Let's be honest. He had like the pockmarked face. He was overweight. He's a big dude. And uh, he could play these roles. And he did He did it well. He carved a whole career out of it. But um that that that's your creepo. He comes in and he we get to see his apartment. It's a shady uh one bedroom. No, it's, I guess I guess it's more of a studio, really. Uh in a shitty building somewhere in New York. I think it's a basement apartment actually. But uh it's it's actually pretty well decorated. He's got purple everywhere. Uh he has built a shrine uh in this studio apartment to a young lady that we have to assume is his mother. Um she looked pretty hot. We'll get more into that in a minute. In the picture, though, she's like smoking a cigarette and she looks like a bad bitch. Uh, He's got candles all over the fucking place, man. And he is rocking the shit out of this apartment. Uh, He kind of launches into an internal monologue about, "Uh, you got to stop doing this, man. You can't keep going out like this. And he's like, oh, but they're never going to catch me because I'm very careful. And he's... I don't know, man. These monologues, we get like seven or eight of these monologues throughout the movie. And at times, it sounds like he's trying to talk himself out of going out and killing people. And other times, he's trying to talk himself into it. But it's always a two-way thing. He's having a conversation with himself, which I guess kind of plays into the psychosis of the movie. But it's very strange. Uh, from there, he, he we get to see him. He gets up. He goes out presumably the next night and he dresses just as the 80s creeper you know a big flight jacket uh beanie cap big sunglasses despite the fact that it's late at night and away he goes um he goes out and he he comes across the new the new york city prostitute which is a very strange character in the 1980s number one not attractive at all, uh, not even by 80 standards. But if you're in the market for a prostitute, um, you know, I guess you just take what you can get, really. Uh, they always seem to have this weird menu to choose from. Did you notice that? I, this isn't the first movie that this weird prostitute menu has popped up. Uh, so he's walking, and here comes a, our prostitute, and she's like, hey, you want to go out? And he's like, oh, how much? He knows what's going on. He lives in New York. He's seen his share of prostitutes. Uh, he's like, oh, how much? And then we get this weird menu of sex items. So $25 for a regular, which I assume is just regular sex. Uh, 50 for regular with French, which I assume is some kind of a blowjob sex combo. Uh, what was it? 75 you go around. She'll take you around the world which I guess means you get to bang, that includes anal. And then for $100, something called, quote-unquote, the ultimate. What the fuck is the ultimate, I wonder? Because I've seen plenty of porn. I've never heard the, quote-unquote, ultimate referred to. I'm very interested. And uh, 
I got money to spend, ladies. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm very curious about the ultimate. But uh, eventually he's like, oh, okay, let's go. So in they go to the flop house that this pro- young prostitute is standing outside of. Takes him in there, gets a room for 25 bucks. He pays an extra $5 for the, uh, the color TV option, which, by the way, was never in the room. Um, they get up, they get it to the room and you'll, well, they, first they get inside and you'll notice that the, uh, hotel operator slash front desk clerk or whatever the fuck that the guy behind there is actually Bill Lustig, the, uh, director of this. And he play, he does it well. He looks like a, a shady dude that would run one of these places. Uh, they get upstairs. Uh, she, he like asks her if she's ever modeled and she's like, well, I can try. So she's like, starts striking all these poses and then, uh, they start making out and then he gets on top of her and then he strangles her and he's afterwards, he's like, Oh, what did I do? Guy, I don't know. But then he takes out a straight razor and scalps her, cuts the scalp off the top of her head. Oh, well that just put a whole new paint job on things, didn't it? So, our scumbag Frank Zito just went from a sex killer to a trophy killer. Although, I guess he wasn't really a sex killer to begin with because he didn't have sex with the couple on the beach. So, I don't know. And he did. I, he, no, he didn't really have sex with the prostitute either. It was just kind of implied. Really, all he did was dry hump her for a few seconds and then he choked the life out of her and took her scalp. So, that's. I mean, it's bad business all the way around. I just don't know what his motivation is yet. But those of you who have seen the movie know what's about to happen because he's going to take that scalp back to his shitty studio apartment where we're going to find out he's got himself a bunch of mannequins hanging around. And he likes to staple the scalp hair, scalp, uh, whatever, onto the mannequins and then basically uh, do like a like a live action role play. He likes to like LARP it up with the, um, with the mannequins. As if they're his mother, I I think is what we're going for. It's he's got like three or four of them hanging around, and uh, for a, a studio apartment, especially in New York, that's not going to leave you a lot of room to do much of anything. But he's got them in there, and he's uh, scalping the shit out of chicks and nailing it to these mannequins. And then he comes home and he has nice conversations with the mannequins and uh, talks to the picture of his mom a lot. Sicko, he is a sicko, my friends. And uh, it's kind of gross. So from there, I mean, and now that whole sequence took like 25 minutes. And I know I just blew right past it. And there's a lot that I'm not getting into here. But uh, it's pretty dope. From there, we get into the next sequence, which is uh, him camped out outside of a nightclub. And out comes a young couple and they hop into a car and take off. And he decides to follow them. So he follows them where they, they have gone and parked underneath the Ferenzano Bridge. Now, I've gone home, I've, I've done the one-night stand thing once or twice. I know it's hard to believe, but I have once or twice there, inmates. Uh, and I, I've gotten lucky with the ladies at the club. Never under a bridge in the backseat of a car, okay? I'm, I'll go back to their place. I prefer to bring them back to my place because... I've had bad experiences in weird the apartments of weird weird women, but never underneath a bridge, man. That's uh, that's good lord. At least you know. I get maybe you don't want to take her home because you're married or you got your you know your girlfriend uh, has got all of her stuff there. 
But uh, hey, how about a how about a hotel room? You know, uh, how about a? Uh, apparently, there's flop houses all over the fucking place in New York. Why not? Twenty five bucks. You don't need the, the the room all night long. You'll be out of there in probably twenty five minutes. I don't know. Anyway, here they come. They're uh, getting fresh in the back seat. Wouldn't you know who plays the young man in this uh, this uh, sequence? It's Tom Savini, who also did the special effects for this movie. Uh, he's there and he's gonna, he's gonna lay the Mac down on this young lady. They get into the back seat. Things are going pretty well. Uh, here comes Zito creeping around the outside of the car. The young lady spots him. She's like, Hey, 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 we're not having sex here. There's somebody freaky, uh, hanging around the outside of the car trying to look at my boobs. Let's get the fuck out of here, please. And of course, Savini's like, Hey baby. Oh, what are you being? You're being crazy. Come on. Let's just get it on. And she's like, no, asshole, we're out of here. So he's like, all right, all right. Gets in, turns on the headlights, and Zito is standing right in front of the car with a shotgun. Jumps up on the hood. Joe Spinell had some some athleticism to him. Jumps up on the hood in a single bound, levels the shotgun at Savini, and blows his head into a bloody pineapple. Uh, the young lady does like a, a combat roll back into the back seat. He just wheels right around and blows her head off also somehow though manages to salvage the scalp and take it home with him where he then uh, of course nails it to another mannequin and this time for some reason he feels the need to handcuff himself to that mannequin and you know vent do some venting to the mannequin which i feel is like you know that's probably if i had a bunch of mannequins hanging around here i would probably uh well, I mean, of course I'm going to have sex with him at some point. Why else would you have, why else would I have a bunch of mannequins around here unless I was trying to freak out my wife? Um, but I would do a lot of venting. I would talk to them, sure, you know. Uh, I'd probably do a lot of complaining about my wife that I wouldn't normally do to my wife or to any of my friends because it probably involves sex stuff. Anyway, uh, so that's pretty gnarly. That's two more dead. Uh, from there, we're going to go to a sequence in which he's just kind of walking around out in a park. Uh, apparently, Zito doesn't really have like a like a real job. He just kind of meanders. I don't know what his deal is. But uh, he's walking around out in the park in the middle of the day. Uh, a young photographer is out and about. Her name's Anna, and she is snapping pictures, and she catches a picture of Zito. Now, Zito gets interested, and he's, like, walking around, and you're thinking he's going to probably kill this chick. And uh, at one point, he, like, pretends he's tying his shoe next to her camera bag, where she has a luggage tag with her name and address on it. Her name is Anna, and now Zito knows her full address and where to find her at his leisure. Not a good idea, leaving the uh, luggage tags laying around like that, ladies. Just, you know, there are some real creepos out there. And you may or may not be listening to a podcast hosted by one as we speak. <laughs> All right, sorry about that. Um, so, but, but then from there, nothing else really happens with Anna for a few minutes because now that night Zito is hanging around a hospital he sees a couple of nurses come out. One of them gets in a car, drives away. The other one's a pretty hot blonde. He starts following her around. She picks up on it. And by the way, these murders are now like highly publicized. And the city of New York knows that there's like a serial slaughterer on their hands. And, you know, highly publicized. with some kind of a creepo running around. 
So this nurse figures out that Frank is following her, and she gets freaked right out. So she ducks into a subway tunnel, tries to get it onto a train, uh, can't do it. The train, the door doesn't open. The train just takes off. So she goes back out of the tunnel into a different tunnel. Frank's following her the whole time. She loses him for a second in a turnstile situation, and then ducks into a ladies' room. And for a second. We think that she lost him because she's like breathing heavy and she put her feet up on the toilet. You know how they do that? And uh, she pops her head out of the stall and there's nobody there. So she's like, okay, good. Yeah, I'm out of here. And then she goes walking out and then he uh, grabs her and garrots her. with a. Remember those? The piano wire garrot. I don't know if that's an effective way of killing anybody or not. I suppose it probably is. But... I feel like it would take a lot longer than it should, and it's probably not a very efficient way of killing somebody. But regardless, he garrots her there in the uh, disgusting ladies' room of a subway platform. And that's where we got to see some of the most colorful graffiti of this movie. Uh, There was a KKK thing going on. There was a, uh, I believe Jeff was there also. Jeff may have been there. Uh, And somebody loves Carmen, I believe. So good for you. I hope uh, you and Carmen are happily married and... Jeff, don't spend too much time in the ladies' room. Uh, so that's another dead lady, and that sucks. And, of course, Frank takes the uh, scalp home and nails it to another mannequin. And every time he does this, he goes into another one of these monologues where he's trying to talk himself out of killing people, but then he convinces himself that he's going to get away with it, and he doesn't want to, but I kind of feel like one of these voices is supposed to be his mom, but... I don't, you can't really tell which one is his mom and which one is Frank, you know? So that's kind of, you know, again, to the psychosis of Frank Zito. Cut to the next day. Frank has decided he's going to make a move on Anna. So he cleans himself up pretty nicely, gets some big crazy glasses on uh, and and a decent suit. And he goes and he pays Anna a visit at her apartment and tells her that he is a, uh, he works for a magazine and he's interested in uh, some of her work, possibly for his magazine. And she's like, oh, yeah, come right in. Ladies, no, no. You don't, uh, unless there's somebody else there in the apartment, you offer to meet him somewhere. I get, I get it. This is probably, you know, 1980. It's not like he could email her or anything like that. So I guess that's just how things go. And to be honest, at this point, Frank seems harmless. Uh, when when he's there with Anna. He's mild-mannered, very soft-spoken. He's dressed somewhat professionally, like he might be involved in some kind of magazine or journalism type of a thing. I don't know. But uh, she lets him in. She shows him, his pic- or, uh, shows him her pictures, and he's like, oh, yeah, this is very nice. I like what you've done here. You did a very good thing over there. I like what they're doing over there, too. Oh, uh, yeah, what's going on? Now... Frank, if he could just hold, he he engages in a relationship with Anna, sort of, or at least the beginnings of it. He takes her out to dinner. Uh, you know, he he sees her. Uh, she invites him to one of the photo shoots, and uh, things are going smoothly. If he could just hold it together, he probably could have ended up living happily ever after with Anna. Uh, eventually, he would have to come clean about you know not being a magazine editor and. Uh, you know, the kind of the creepo behavior that led him to her apartment. And that might be a bit off-putting. But in 1980, I think Chicks kind of thought that was romantic. Ooh, 
He stalked me through the park and followed me home. And then he slid a note under my door and now we're engaged. Isn't it romantic? I don't know, man. Uh, I feel like these days that would be considered sexual uh, harassment or I don't know, sexual misconduct. Although there's no sex. I I don't know. Just a weird, possibly felony stalk. I don't know. I don't know what the legality of it is, but you probably shouldn't do it. Uh, if what you what you want to do is if you see a hot chick at a park, uh, definitely do not approach her. Whatever you do, uh, don't look at her. Don't let her catch you looking at her. Uh, what you probably should do is uh, I don't know. See if she has an OnlyFans account. <laughs> I guess I don't know. <laughs> I, I I am really glad I'm not single anymore because I was terrible at that. But anyway. Um, so that you know, if he could have just held it together for a little while, uh, she was getting to know him, and uh, he was getting—they were getting along beautifully. She invites him to one of her photo shoots, and he's like, "Absolutely, I would love to." He shows up. He bought her a teddy bear, the big softy. She's fallen in love for Christ's sakes. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of hot chicks running around her apartment during this photo shoot, which sends Frank into one of his episodes. And you know he's about to have one of his episodes because he starts with the huffing and puffing and the grunting and making the weird... What is that? I don't know what that is, but that means Frank's about to, to lose his shit. So... Uh, one of the uh, models that she introduces him to is a blonde y- young lady by the name of Rita. Not that attractive, but uh, I think she was supposed to look a lot like Frank's mom. And that may that actress may have actually been the one in the photograph. I'm not 100% sure. But uh, Frank loses his mind, steals her necklace, follows her home. Uh, she gets in the bath. We do get to see this young lady naked. And then he knocks on the door and he's like, did you lose your necklace? I got your address from Anna, so she asked me to run it over to you. And Rita, who is the model, is like, oh, yeah, you're so sweet. Thanks. And he's like, okay, bye. But as he's having that conversation, he does something with the lock so she can't lock the door. And she doesn't notice that she can't lock the door. So she goes and gets in the bath. And then here comes Frank. He grabs her, uh, knocks her out, ties her up. Um and then goes into one of his mon- uh, I guess he just starts talking to her as if he's talking to his mom. Because he's like, you never should have left me in the closet, but I love you. You had too many men in your life and they all treated you bad. But I loved you. I loved you more than anything. And now we're always going to be together. And the whole time, Rita's like, get the fuck out of here, you shit. Um... Eventually, of course, he kills her and scalps her and takes the uh, scalp and nails it to one of his mannequins. And that's very unfortunate for Rita. Uh, From there, we go to the next day. He uh, is going to take Anna out for dinner. And uh, he calls her and he goes and picks her up. And he says, hey, before I take you out to dinner, do you mind if we stop by the cemetery? I'd like to pay my respects to my mother. Which is a very strange move to make, especially on a third date. Don't take a chick to the cemetery unless she asks you to. If she asks you to, that means she's freaky and you're probably about to get your dick sucked in the cemetery. So by all means, go to the cemetery if she asks you to. Don't try to force that shit. It's not going to work out well. But he takes her there and she's like, oh, Frank, you're so sweet. And he's like, oh, mother, I miss you so much. Oh, and then he starts complaining about his head hurting. And um, 
Anna's like, okay, Frankie, hey, pull it together there, big guy. We're supposed to go out to dinner. And he's like, oh, my head hurts. Oh, but Rita, Rita knew all about it. And she's like, oh, shit, Rita's dead. What are you talking about? She knew. She was murdered. Uh, And then eventually it snaps into focus for Anna. And she's like, peace out, dog. And then uh, Frank starts chasing her. Uh, She pops out from behind a uh, tombstone with a shovel and whacks him right in the arm. And his arm starts bleeding. Now, this causes Frank to turn into a right vagina. He falls down on his mother's grave and starts whimpering and crying. It was a flesh wound, Frank. For Christ's sakes, be a man. Get up. You got killing to do. Uh, He starts freaking right out, whimpering and crying for his mother. Zombie mom pops up for a second. Like Carrie style. Reaches out of the grave, grabs him, pops out. But then he wakes up in his bed back at home. So I guess somehow he managed to get home. He wakes up. Uh, he's still bleeding from the arm. He's all fucked up now. He's all sweaty and stuff and highly traumatized. He starts looking around at his mannequins and this time they start looking back at him, which is creepy. And then they all magically come to life and attack him. And, uh, but, but they're not the mannequins. They're the chicks that he killed and whose scalps are now on the mannequins. They're all there in the room and they kill him. And for a second, a headless Tom Savini shows up. And the only reason I know that that was supposed to be Tom Savini's character is because he was wearing a ridiculous vest and his head is completely off. But this man, this, you know, special effect dummy without a head shows up wearing the same ridiculous sweater and does like jazz hands at him for a second, then slowly fades back down underneath the bed. Rest of the chicks stab the shit out of Frank. Because, of course, he has a bunch of weird uh, edged weapons laying around his apartment. And then they eventually rip his head completely off. And uh, from there, we're going to cut to sometime the next morning in which the police have been called. Uh, They go hauling ass to Frank's apartment. Uh, They kick in the door thinking, I don't know what they were. There was only two cops. So this part is kind of weird, actually, now that I think about it. They kick in the door. They uh, run in there with their guns out. They find Frank laying in bed with a bunch of knives sticking out of him. And then they just kind of put their guns away, slowly back out of the room and close the door as if to say, uh-oh, uh, wrong apartment. Sure, that's a completely unrelated dead guy. We're going to get the fuck out of here and never talk about this again. So that's kind of a weird ending. Um, but that's the end of your movie. That is Maniac from 1979. Now, a couple of thoughts on this movie. I watched this on Shudder. I watched it twice, actually, yesterday on Shutter. Once, I watched just regularly and took notes like I always do for the show. The second time I watched it, I watched the Joe Bob Briggs uh, commentary on it, which was very fascinating and very uh, informative. And one thing that I thought, well, that he thought of, but kind of struck true, was the similarities between this movie and uh, the ni- uh, 2019 Joaquin Phoenix Joker. There, there are some striking similarities there. This, um, you know, urban sprawl that this thing takes place in, uh, the lower class, uh, you know, kind of being kind of a character in the movie, the prostitutes, the, uh, uh, the nightclub goer, goers, things like that. Uh, and just the, uh, the, mo- the mommy issues between, uh, Joe's, um, Frank Zito and Arthur Fleck. Oh, there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. And if you look at the, like the photography style, it kind of, there's some, there's a lot of similarities. Um, it's definitely worth watching. I enjoy this movie. Uh, really, 
I think it comes in at about an hour 47 minutes. About an hour of that is just cat and mouse with these different chicks. You know uh, Zito's a sicko. You know he's going to kill this young lady, whoever, whichever one it is at, the, at that particular scene. So the buildup to the actual kill is usually a lot more um, gratifying than the kill itself. But like, especially I, if I had to pick a favorite uh, kill of the movie, it would probably be the nurse, even though it was, it was the longest wait to the payoff for her because she actually got away a couple of times but then he caught up to her and then she'd get away again and then he'd hide she'd hide and he'd walk right past then she'd pop out and then of course you know the big payoff at the end uh so a lot of that um i wouldn't call this necessarily a slasher well i guess it could be because if you would consider this a slasher from the perspective of the slasher we never really got to know a Jason Voorhees or a Michael Myers or, you know, even remotely what was going on inside their head. But Zito, we got to know very well and very intimately and see him in his many different faces that he put on to stalk and eventually murder these young ladies. Um, I say definitely check it out. It is streaming on Shutter, both versions. There is a 2017 remake of this directed by Alexandra Aja. Starring Elijah Wood, who is about as far away from Joe Spinell physically as you can possibly get. One of them is a big, greasy Italian. Uh, looks like he was probably turned down for a professional wrestling gig. And the other one is uh, Frodo from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I don't think you could get any farther away. Uh, but the... What they did do in the remake, which is very original and somehow I, th- I feel like it worked, was they shot the entire thing POV style from the perspective of uh, Elijah Wood's character. I don't think his name was Frank Zito. It might have been, but I could be wrong. But the entire thing is through his eyes. Uh, you get to see him pick up the knives and the, you know the guns and all that stuff and the things he's doing with the mannequins. It's, um, it's very interesting. Um, it's much better than Hotel Inferno as far as the, the actual direction goes. Um, I say check them both out. In my, in my opinion, they're both worth watching. I, I love the original just because I'm such a fucking geek for seedy, disgusting 80s New York City. You know, that's, I feel like I missed out on something culturally by not uh, ever being too young to go there. And I definitely would have liked to have at least, you know, walked around and maybe even crashed at one of those flop houses for a night or two i don't want to stay too long though i feel like i'd get scabies or get addicted to crack cocaine which was also a problem all right i'm gonna take myself a little break we will uh come back in a minute with some other stuff yeah
Hey, inmates. If you like what you hear, head over to the Padded Room Facebook group and support us through the patron link with a small monthly donation. Check out the T-Villain link at paddedroom.podbean.com and grab some t-shirts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And I'm back. Alrighty then. There you have it, folks. Maniac. That was uh, from right here in hard R-rated month in the Padded Room podcast. Uh, I know I didn't tell you what movie I was going to watch last week. That's my bad. That's what happens when I'm left to my own devices. I completely forget entire parts of the show. That's why the other two knuckleheads are supposed to be here to remind me what the fuck I'm doing. And when they don't, some shit gets left out. So don't blame me. Blame them. (laughs) Uh, Next week, I'm going to do the original Fright Night. 1985. I hope you guys are ready for that. It's pretty fucking dope. I know you've seen it. I can't wait to break the whole goddamn thing down for you next week. Um, so yeah, that's going to close out hard our month. Uh, July is still wide open if anybody wants it. Uh, $5 donation, of course, paddedroompodcast.com. Take you where you need to go. Figure the whole thing out from there. But first, we have a Terra Dome to get into, my friends. No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. I'm not gonna hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains in. I'm gonna bash them right the fuck in. I'll kill you all. I'll be crazy. I'll kill you all. Dream come true. To the Terradome. First, last week's winners. In the Asylum Conference, we had the Candyman versus Dr. Herbert West, Reanimator. Immortality was much easier to obtain than the Doctor knew. Rumor was a blessed condition, and through the dark centuries of the Candyman's torment, he would live on in the form of legend. The Doctor, however, would not. Ripped groin to gullet, he would only be another body attributed to the Candyman. With an 11-0 victory and the first blowout of this year's tournament, the Candyman advances over Dr. Herbert West Reanimator. Too bad. I like the Reanimator. But he's a bit of a prick, and people don't like him just because he's a bit of a prick. And thus, uh, I think a lot of people are going to vote against him. Plus, the can- not to take anything away from the Candyman, he's a bad bitch himself. Uh, let's take a look at this week's matchup, shall we? We are in the Asylum Conference, round three. As usual, inmates, bear with me. I'm not much of a writer. <clears throat> Sydney's dreams included Michael. 
Michael's dreams included Sydney. Neither could fully explain the link between them, but it was there. As Michael's search for the tall man brought him closer to Sydney's small town, their link became stronger. The telepathy between Michael Baldwin and Sidney Prescott served a purpose. Michael knew he was meant to warn her of the tall man's approach. Sidney Sydney knew something terrible was coming long before she dreamt of the boy. It started for her with menacing phone calls. Then her high school friends started disappearing and turning up dead, murdered in gruesome fashions. The killer was stalking Sidney, toying with her. It couldn't be the tall man that Michael had, had warned her about, her tormentor was small and dressed cheaply in a Halloween ghost mask. In the Asylum Conference Round 3, we have Ghostface versus the Tall Man. I, for one, am going to take the Tall Man on this. I was never that impressed with Ghostface. Really, he just boils down to a jilted lover or a uh, fucking kid that uh, his parents got divorced and he wanted to blame it on somebody else or some other nonsense. So for that reason, I'm taking the tall man, the interdimensional conqueror. <laughs> I'll take him. Uh, get me your votes by next week, inmates, if you can. Mental Health Hotline, again, is area code 775-387-0275 or on the regular old email at thepaddedroom2011 at hotmail.com. While you're considering that matchup, I'm going to tell you about some movies I got to watch. What are you looking at? I only got to watch one movie this week, guys, uh, mainly because of that motherfucking half marathon. It's called Chemical Peel from 2014. I believe I found this one on Tubi. Uh, I started it thinking it was going to put me right to sleep, and it actually kept me up uh, for the whole night. So I watched the whole goddamn thing. It's not a bad show. I'll tell you that. Practical special effects. It's basically about this bachelorette party at a remote cabin in the woods, and there is some kind of a chemical spiel, spill, spiel, spiel, a chemical spiel uh, nearby, which causes them to uh, basically be trapped in the, in the cabin together. Naturally, a bunch of fucking hijinks take place, and the girls take all about 14 minutes before they start turning on each other. And uh, some pretty gnarly shit goes down. It's, it's, um, it's low budget. Acting is a bit suspect. But for what it is, it's not a bad show. I would recommend checking it out if you absolutely positively cannot find anything else worth looking at. Uh, it's Chemical Spiel from 2014 on Tubi. Worth looking at. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Uh, that's all I got to look at, unfortunately. <laughs> So how about some immersion therapy? I told you it was going to be a, a short show. Did I not? Yes, I did. I did, in fact, tell you that. I warned you that it was going to be a short show. Uh, immersion therapy. Immersion therapy. So I guess I'm the only one that watched We Still Say Grace from 2020 on Amazon Prime starring Holly Taylor and Bruce Davidson. 
Uh, you you might have started this one, and you probably very quickly got bored with it and turned it off. So these three kids are driving across the country. They break down outside of the the a rural house with a bunch of religious zealots in it. This nutsack family. And one daughter who's actually trying to figure some shit out, and uh, Bruce Davidson plays the head of the family. And uh, it—I'm uh, not going to re- spoil this one for you, but you don't—I don't think you need to watch it. It wasn't that good. It was kind of stale. Um, I very predictable. You knew exactly where it was going. Um, if you want to see a much better version of this, watch "We Are What We Are." Either either version, either one. Uh, the American version's pretty good. Uh, the Mexican version is pretty, it's very different, but it's still pretty good. Um, you don't need to watch. We still say grace. I don't think so. I don't think you need to watch that. Uh, your immersion therapy for this week is going to be inter intersect from 2020, uh, stars Jason Spizak and Abe Ruthless directed by Gus Hawerta. This one's on Hulu has something to do with, uh, Lovecraftian time travel. So check that shit out, inmates. I will do the same, and we can compare notes next week. In the meantime, we must educate me. Educating Miss Monica. Who was I last week, you might be uh, thinking. I think everybody nailed me. You're right. I was Deadly Friend. Uh, I'm the nerd that just moved in next door to the hot chick. I can't make any friends except for this robot that I built. And uh, then the hot chick gets killed by her fucking abusive prick dad. But not to worry, because I can fix her, and I will do just that uh, by implanting my robot uh, chip into her head. And goddamn, if she didn't go on a goddamn killing spree... I was going to make her a sex bot, uh, but now she's out throwing basketballs at people's heads and creating all kinds of problems. It's Deadly Friend. Uh, It's a silly movie. (laughs) It is. You might have enjoyed it when you were a kid, but I find nostalgia to be highly overrated, and watching movies that I loved as a kid now, I'm I'm just begging for disappointment, so... Uh, You know, I'll buy them just because why not? But at the same time, I'm going to watch it once and shake my head and, you know, and then that's probably going to be about it until I decide to make my kids watch it, in which case they're probably going to slap the Blu-ray remote out of my hands and call me a pussy. (laughs) My kids are kind of savage that way. Uh, Who might I be this week, you ask? Well, well, I tell you. I am a bit of an eccentric millionaire, and I happen to live in a castle out on the outskirts of, I guess, Europe somewhere. Uh, wouldn't you know, a goddamn fashion magazine has is paying me top dollar to use parts of my castle for a uh, fashion shoot. So they brought a bunch of hot chicks. They brought a very dicky, uptight camera crew, this royal prick of a uh, uh, photographer, And now they're going to fuck my whole house up with these uh, scantily clad hot chicks. Well, I'm not having that shit. I've got a bit of a uh, costume that I'm going to don, and I'm going to wreak some havoc. Oh, and I've also set some traps around the castle. And uh, I'm going to wear a red hood when I do this shit. Going to really scare the the crap out of these people. 
So, yeah, look at that. Uh, that's a deep dive for you there, inmates. This is a ridiculous movie, just so you know. <laughs> All right, guys, I think that's about going to do it for me this week. Thank you very much for joining me and for bearing with me uh, through the solo shows. I don't know. I don't know if anybody's coming back next week. I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if they're alive, to be honest with you. They might, uh, have, they might be out having sex with each other. I never considered that option. They, they may be uh, running away to get married in uh, uh, Monte Carlo, Buddy and Monica. I don't know what they're doing, man. I have no clue. Hopefully, I'll get somebody in here next week. Maybe I'll bring Jason Harrell back. See what he's doing next week. Uh, in the meantime, thank you again very much for joining me. Join me next week for Fright Night from 1985 um, here in the hard R-rated month of the Padded Room podcast. Uh, next month is wide open. We do have a Patreon campaign running. $5 donation gets you a t-shirt, travel mug, and control of the month of July. I'm sitting on a bunch that I haven't sent out yet. I know. I'm sorry. I'm a lazy shit. I've got one for Tom Hardy and Cooper. I owe you both, both you guys, uh, uh, the shirts and your mugs. I got them right here. I got them right here. I'm going to put them in the mail eventually. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm just got to verify your addresses, then I'll get them out to you. Um, in the meantime, thank you again for joining me. Like, comment, subscribe, wherever you found this. Helps our visibility quite a bit. So, with that being said, for uh, the Candyman seedy, funky New York City buddy and Monica in absentia hopefully having sex with each other in a broom closet somewhere uh, the year 1980 when short shorts were kind of fashionable and fat guys could wear ill-fitting shirts for no apparent reason uh, thugs pockmarked faces and the padded room podcast I'm afraid visiting hours are over <laughs> <laughs>